Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out. You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud. John Zagul. Hi, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. Great to see everybody here with us. A big night and a big guest here with us tonight. It is Randy Mueller, the former NFL GM, 2000 NFL Executive of the Year. We're really looking forward to this one. We'll intro him in just a second. First, make sure you hit up all of our great radio and TV affiliates near the top of your screen. WKAN 105.5 The Ticket, ACTV, City's 92.9 Talk FM. Jed TV and WJOB. This is Sports Talk Chicago. John Zaglou here with you. John Meadows directing and producing. Follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago on social media. So here he is, the 2000 NFL Executive of the Year, the host of the Football GM Podcast and the CEO of MuellerFootball.com. Great friend of this program, Randy Mueller is here with us. Randy, great to see you. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to be back with you again. Happy holidays to you, John. Yeah, great to have you back here with us, Randy. Uh, So much to discuss in terms of the Bears and what's been going on there. What have you made of their season so far? Well, I think it's been a little bit of a tale of two seasons. Obviously, the start wasn't what they wanted. They've kind of leveled the ship. I think Matt Everfus has done a good job of getting the defense back together. Um, I think they have made some progress. They're not where they want to be, but I think it's, for the most part, it's trending in the right direction. So. Uh, I would hope there's some positivity there. There's still some hard decisions to make, as I'm sure we'll talk about. But for the most part, uh, five wins, it's it's uh, it's getting there, right? It is getting there. Here in Chicago, there's a little bit of a different tone, which I know we will discuss. Um, what do you think about Matt Eberflus and his future here in Chicago? We'll start with him, then also discuss the quarterback situation. I actually think he's done a pretty good job, considering that hand he's been dealt. I really think that... I judge coaches on their area of expertise, and I don't think you could make a case against what he's done with the defense. I think they've done a really good job. He's he's rectified through come hell or high water. He's rectified a, a defense that was leaking oil, and I think he's done a pretty good job of that. Um, I think for the most part, you'd have to say the defense is at least uh, – in the top 10, which is, I think they would like to be better than that, but it's still pretty good progress. So I'm okay with where Matt is. I think he's done the job. I don't, you know, obviously he's in charge of the whole operation. So the offense is still lagging a little bit in my opinion, but um, I think Matt, I I would give him a C plus for where we're at right now. Do you think he deserves to be retained beyond this season? I think it's, It's a bigger question than that. I think that all the other elements that are involved have to be considered before that decision is made. You've got to figure out what you're going to do with Justin Fields. You've obviously got to figure out if this offense is something that that we want to do. But I do think he's worked well with Ryan Poles, or at least from 30,000 feet where I'm at. And I think that's a uh, that that's that's not a given in this day and age with the relationships with GMs and head coaches. So I think that has been on the up and up. Hey, he's had to battle through a couple staff changes this year that you wouldn't wish that on anybody. 
So I think it is a job of fixing problems. And I think for the most part, he's fixed what he can control. That's for sure. How do you approach the whole Justin Fields situation? Um, I think it's this. I think we know what Justin Fields is. I think there's enough evidence as to his skill set, as to what he can excel at and what he's still learning and and there's a bit of a a work in progress. I think what you've got to decide really is what kind of offense you want to run going forward. Is this system of RPOs, play action passes, some of the things that he does well, is it good enough to get us where we want to get? That hasn't been proven league-wide. Now, that's not a referendum on Chicago. That's just league-wide. This this RPO stuff is kind of a college-type system other than Philadelphia, who's doing it pretty good. Maybe Indy was headed that direction. They were going to do it pretty good with Richardson until he got hurt. Um, it has not been done to the level of, hey, this is a Super Bowl offense or this is a championship offense. So I think they've got to decide that. Once they decide what the offense is that they would like to run and what their vision is for that, then I think it comes down to an easy decision on does Justin fit that or not. I think he's proved that he can do certain things that will make him valuable to somewhere who does want to run this offense. If it's not Chicago, it'll be somewhere else. What's your evaluation of him as a passer? I think it's um, improved some. I don't think he's there yet. I still see some misses, especially on balls downfield. Um, I see a little bit of a work in progress as far as poise in the pocket. Now, you got to remember, this kid's been shell-shocked for the last two years. I mean, he got killed, as we all know, last year and, and really in a, in a hodgepodge of offense the last two years trying to make it work. So it, it's not like he's been settled and can improve on his trade. He's had to operate by the seat of his pants but there's no question he's not there yet as a passer and that leads me back to what i just said i think my belief and this is just my belief is that that player that quarterback has to eventually be able to beat teams from the pocket that's what wins in the nfl it's pride true forever you've got to be able to make all the throws from a spot in the pocket i can appreciate and respect all the athleticism and everything that he brings if they don't know after three years if he can be that guy, they probably have to restart the clock, and especially if they end up with the first pick, and that makes it a, a somewhat complicated decision, but an easier one in my opinion. I'm assuming that they're going to be okay with these quarterbacks that are coming out. I know I'm okay with a couple of them, kind of making my way through a third or fourth, but uh, I, I think there's there's an answer for them there if they select another option. So how do you reconcile that situation? If you were Brian Poles, would you choose to progress with Justin or draft one of these quarterbacks? Who is the higher upside, according to you? Well, I I think you have to. I've said this from, from probably week five on, John, is I think Justin Fields is, is auditioning for a job somewhere else. I'll be honest with you. I think that's the value now is to get him where he can – produce at a higher level and somebody likes what they see. I think Caleb Williams is too good to pass on. I really do. I think with the addition of being able to reset the salary clock to start over in a rookie contract, which allows you to, as we know, to do some other things and not have to pay a quarterback a a giant number. I think that with the skill set and the production that Caleb Williams has had, 
I think I would have a hard time passing on that regardless. How do you feel about the supposed character issues that come with Caleb Williams? I don't give it a lot of thought. I think people are nickel and dime in the kid. I think he's a good kid. I've done a little bit of research myself. I've talked to some scouts. I've talked to some other people. That part doesn't bother me at all. I don't, I'm not going to make a big deal out of him jumping in his mom's arms after a, a loss that, you know, <laughs> really was the end of his season and probably his collegiate season. So I understand the pressure that these players are under. Hey, it happened. I live in Seattle. It happened to, um, their quarterback, when they when they beat Washington State the last week, this kid put his head in a tent and cried as well, and they won. So these guys are are not only now the face of their team, but they're the face of cities too. So that comes with a lot of pressure. So I don't see the downside in the character stuff with Caleb Williams. I see a guy that's been a one-man band at USC this year especially and has carried the load. I think he can make all the throws. I've watched enough tape where he wows me, I'll be honest with you, John. There's some things he does that I just shake my head, and I really enjoy watching him. So I think he's that good. I just don't think these guys come around every other year where you could pass on a guy of that talent. Now, that's not to say there won't be other options at the end of this evaluative process. I don't happen to be a Drake May guy, so I don't love that. But I know there's a guy at Michigan that's kind of raised his level who if he has a good playoff week, another two weeks against a Nick Saban defense. I'm talking about JJ McCarthy. He might be up in this rarefied air to be option uh, as well, be an, an option as well. Randy Mueller, former NFL GM here with us on sports talk, Chicago, Randy from Orion Pohl's perspective, is he in a position to have to draft a quarterback in order to worry about his job? Um, I don't think he has to. I mean, he's going to have a choice so he can go with Justin Fields or draft one. For me, I, I would probably, if I have the first pick, I would probably select the Caleb Williams route. That seems to be uh, more to my liking. Doesn't mean that I'm right. Doesn't mean that, you know, uh, we can't win with Justin Fields. I don't think he can be influenced by any outside sources. He's got to do what he thinks is right. I don't know, Ryan. I'm not here to say he's a good evaluator, bad evaluator. I don't know that. I think we've got to find out. Because I think some people do evaluate quarterbacks better than others. And that seems to be a, an area where a lot of people struggle with and miss. Um, we'll see. He's got a tough choice. Uh, he's, he's what, this will he'd be entering year three uh, of, of a rebuild. Uh, I think they have shown some progress. But I'm not ready to, uh, to say anything really about his job because I don't think the body of work is expansive enough to be able to say that's what we he's doing a great job or he's doing a bad job i'm going to put him in the middle somewhere right now let me ask you this you mentioned quarterback evaluation what are the keys in evaluating a quarterback you did it for many years across a couple of different teams at the nfl what are the keys to getting it right well i think the first thing is what i mentioned eventually that guy has to be able to beat you from the pocket and in that, again, is really is not my opinion. That's fact, and it's been proven that way. Yep. I think to do that, you have to be able to process information, and it is a garbage-in, garbage-out world for these quarterbacks. they got to take a lot in on a weekly basis, on a game plan basis, on a series, and on a play basis, play-by-play, play, a lot of information. So they have got to be bright kids. And so you've got to have a guy who can process the information and then you've got to have a guy that has accuracy and has some anticipation so that he can throw sooner than later. 
the big jump these college kids have is they're thrown to wide open kids, wide open receivers, wide open targets in college. You don't get those big windows in the pros. So you have to throw people open and you have to anticipate where they're coming. And I think Justin's, you know, trying to find his way there too. Those receivers aren't open. And sometimes it's the receiver not separating. Other times it's the quarterback not anticipating. Sometimes that quarterback's also running for his life. So there's a lot of complications that go into this. And But those are the things that I've used over the years. And they've been pretty tried and true. You've got to be able to make all the throws, obviously. you got to be able to process. you got to have accuracy and you got to have anticipation. Those are the number three through one through four that I would look at for a quarterback. Have you ever faced a situation like Ryan Poles is facing right now as a GM where you have this quarterback, you might have drafted, you might have inherited, it's his third or fourth year, maybe his fifth year option, and then you have the option to draft a top quarterback. Have you ever faced that? And if you did, how did you handle it? Yeah, no, I have not. Um, Again, I think the way to handle it is to your vision, you're going to have a vision of what you be want to be offensively for the long haul. I, I would think the coach and the GM are in it for the long haul, and they've got to decide what they want to do offensively that makes them successful. And sometimes that's determined by the other people around the quarterback as well. But once they do that, they'll know who the best fit is for that. And I think when you have the first pick, you've got to kind of take that into consideration because not only would you have the first pick and let's just say Caleb Williams, you're going to get something if you move Justin Fields. And it might be more than people think, but you're going to get something. You also have another pick, which is your own pick, that might be a top 10 pick. So it's not like the cupboard's bare. Uh, You're going to have a chance to add some other pieces to the team. So I think it's a good position, to be honest with you. I mean, nobody wants to win five or six games, but they're in a pretty good position having Carolina's pick and, and should be credited for the deal they made last year. Do you think Luke Getzey is going to be safe at offensive coordinator? You mentioned the direction the offense goes in. Does he bear any blame for what's been happening this year in Chicago? Well, I think he has to. I think the system means everything, right? And I, I've seen enough to know that it varies depending on week, what you're going to see. <laughs> and not only that, the execution is very varies as well. And a lot of that falls on the coordinator. Um, I, I, I think, again, it, it depends on what, Matt and Ryan's vision is for this offense. They've had Luke now for a couple of years. They understand what he wants to do. They also understand what he's doing. And I guess my question is, is this what we want to do or is this what we're forced to do? Because these are things Justin Fields can do. I don't know the answer to that. Let me ask you this. And this has come under scrutiny over the past couple of years, even with the Bears, according to some reports. How much did public perception, if at all, influence your decisions as a GM? It didn't influence at all, I'll be honest with you. Maybe I'm an idiot, but (laughs) at some point, I tune it all out. I got to do what's right for us. And here's the the part that public perception doesn't take into account. They don't really know what you're looking for. They think they might, but they don't know what you're looking for. They don't know that vision. And that goes with any position or any position group in the building. They don't know what we want. So they don't really know what we're trying to do and don't know what we what we want. So I don't think you you can't be disrespectful to others' opinions. I get that. I would like to have opinions, but at some point I'm shutting it off and I'm going to do what we want to do because we have a plan in place that shouldn't be affected uh, as long as we have a consensus as to what we're going to do within our own building. Has there been a time where there hasn't been a consensus and how did you handle that? 
There's been many times when we didn't have consensus. And here's my feeling on that. And I think it's, I think it's benefited me greatly throughout my career. If we're not going to agree, if you see something, John, that on a certain player and I see something a little different, here's my thinking. We're going to go a different way. We're going to pick a route where we both agree on. And that way it kind of, it builds consensus because if I pick somebody you're kind of lukewarm with, or if I think we need to do this and you're not hundred percent, I want you to say so because we're going to find a happy medium that we can both live with and that makes sense. And we do build a consensus. I always said it for years. None of us are smarter than all of us. So we got to work together on all these things. And that's why you have a staff. That's why you have a personnel department. I'm a big consensus guy. I want to build consensus for the most part. And I think that keeps everybody on the same clock of developing players and understanding our vision for what we want. Kind of like the Carolina situation. I'm curious, then, based on that answer, how did you react when all that news came out? With regard to the quarterback being picked or with the uh, Frank Reich being let go? Kind of both of it, because Frank Reich got let go, and then the reports came out saying that there was a bit of a clash in terms of who they wanted uh, at number one, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Well, that's a struggle for me. I, I mean, I, I wasn't the Bryce Young guy like everybody was. I think five foot ten, 180 pounds is problematic. <laughs> Maybe I'm too old school. <laughs> and I, I understand what his skill set was and is, and and his intangibles. I think won a lot of them over. But at the end of the day, he's still five foot ten, 185 pounds, and you're going to have to build a different team around a quarterback of that stature. But I I hear what you're saying in that. What was our goal when the season started? Was it to win games? Or was it to get Bryce Young into year two? Was it to develop him? Because if we're all in on developing him, we're going to lose some games. That's a fact. So I just don't know which lane was picked when the season started and if the losing changed the lane of the owner there. Randy Miller still with us here on Sports Talk Chicago. Randy, a few more questions before we let you go here today. Um if the Bears do go in a different direction for head coach, what do they need? They tried the offensive route, Matt Nagy. They went back to defense with Matt Eberflus. What do they need to get this higher right, assuming they go down that road? Who's going to be the quarterback? That'd be my first my first question. It just You can't fill that role in a vacuum. You've got to answer it all together, and the plan's got to be more inclusive. If we're going to have a new, a new quarterback, it's going to be a – I would prefer that the head coach – have his hands on the quarterback and develop him himself. We've gone, like you said, the defensive route. I want to find a guy who can, one, manage the quarterback, and two, manage the game. And I think that's easily easiest done from an offensive coordinator standpoint. And then, Brandy, what about the hiring process, too? Well, what does that look like as, as a former GM? How do you go about evaluating and hiring your choice at head coach? Well, you've got to set a clear criteria. I don't know what the Bears' criteria would be. I don't know Ryan Poles enough to know how he feels. But that criteria has to be process-oriented. Um, you can't fall in love with sayings or charts or or uh, <laughs> PowerPoints or anything like that during the process. Again, I'm not saying they did or anybody has, but I've been in a few of those interviews that can sway you if you don't have a clear picture as to what you want. Um, I think... There's so many things involved in in finding the right guy, the relationship with the uh, quarterback, the relationship with the GM, um, his vision for building 
a culture of some kind? What are his beliefs in that? I don't think a coach can change culture. I think the culture is controlled by your players. So the kind of players you bring in, you have to be on the same page on that re- with that regard as a team builder in that we want these kind of guys because the culture is going to be there long longer than we are. Kind of like you see the Steelers have until recently, the same culture the whole time through. They have it in Seattle for the most part, the same culture during all Pete's years there. So uh, there's no clear cut way to hire a coach. I think you've got to explore it, but I'm a relationship guy and that's going to really matter. Randy, thank you so much for joining us. So much great insight. We always love having you. Uh, Just great to catch up and uh, looking forward to the next time we chat as well. Thanks, John. Happy holidays. Thank you, Randy. We're going to be right back here on Sports Talk Chicago. So much fair stuff to get to. Stay with us and uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Chicago, John's Glow. We are back at it. Segment two here on today's program. Appreciate everybody hanging out here with us. Another special shout out to Randy Mueller, former NFL GM, 2000 NFL Executive of the Year. He, uh, he knows a thing or two about quarterbacks and uh, GMs, head coaches, everybody debating, debating, debating. Well, we got to hear somewhat from the horse's mouth about how that stuff usually goes. So he is very insightful. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter. It's at Randy Bueller with an underscore at the end. Uh, that's the 10th time he's come on this program. We love having him on every single time he makes the time. Uh, Sports Talk Chicago here. John Zaglul, John Meadows directing and producing. You miss any of this show, hit us up. Um, SportsTalkChicago.com, all the great podcasts we have over there. Uh, you can hit us up also on all of our great radio and TV, TV affiliates. We're live all over the place. WKAN 105.5 The Ticket, ACTV, Cities 92.9 FM, WJOB, and Gen TV. Two segments to go. Randy, was fun. We have a lot to discuss in terms of Bears football. We're going to do a Bears-Cardinals preview later. I think that one's going to be pretty self-explanatory, but we will get to that. I do want to start with this, though. There's been a lot of talk over the past couple of days after that game on Sunday where the Bears blew it again. Darnell Mooney dropped the football, so it's Darnell Mooney's fault, right? Oh, no, 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 wait. Uh, Robert Tunyon dropped the ball, so it's Robert Tunyon's fault. That's why the Bears lost on Sunday. And that's why Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze and Brian Poles all deserve to stay because of two drops in that game. That defines everything. And the two interceptions that Justin threw, yet those both hit the ground so they don't count. Right? Unbelievable, the ridiculousness that I saw in the days after that loss. Whether you like it or not, the Bears blew another double-digit lead in the fourth quarter for the third time this season. And it's so funny because this happened two weeks ago when the Bears um, beat Minnesota 12-9. Everybody said, oh, they're better than that Lions loss. They're better than that Broncos loss. No, they're doing the same crap on a different week. This is the end of the season. They're supposed to be getting better. This is the end of the year. We're supposed to see improvement. Right? The whole thing is about improvement. We're charting improvement for Matt Eberflus, charting improvement for Luke Getze, charting improvement for Justin Fields. And what we saw on Sunday was the same old, same old. Why do I bring up Sunday again? Because, as we talked about with Randy in segment one, the Bears have a decision to make. And week by week, we're going to talk about this because it's the biggest thing going on right now in Chicago. What are they going to do? I'll tell you what. Somebody explain to me, or somebody make the case for Justin Fields after that game. 19 of 40, couple of interceptions, career passer rating, or I'm sorry, yearly passer rating in the fourth quarter at 62.9 in the fourth quarter. 
And you heard Randy say it himself. Eventually, if you're a quarterback in this league, you got to win passing the football. The running stuff is fun. It's highlight reel, fantastic. We saw a great job by Justin reverse field on Sunday and score a touchdown. But is this going to be sustainable for the Bears? Is he the guy for the Bears? And look what they have coming in Caleb Williams and or Drake May. I think we've seen enough. Whether people want to hear it or not, I know many people don't. I think we've seen enough. I think we all know what needs to happen for the Bears at the end of this season. I heard a couple of people mention today that, well, the Bears don't have to get rid of Justin Fields. Well, what are you going to do then? Pass up on these two top quarterbacks? Or, oh, better yet, pay him $150 million, $200 million, because he deserves the extension? That's going to be a Daniel Jones-type contract. Okay, the fact is, at this point, I think we've seen enough. And it's very, very hard to continue to justify keeping Justin Fields when we see a highlight reel play and then a 19-40 game in year three. 30, what, 38 starts in, career record of 8-29. and 29. And it's so funny, I want to mention this too. I saw this the other week, I got a couple of friends, I got a friend actually who hosts on ESPN Radio, does a lot of New York Jets stuff, right? They're laughing at us. They're laughing at the Bears. They're la- Everybody nationally is laughing at Chicago. And you could say, I don't care about the national opinion, but I'll tell you what, everybody on the outside looking in knows Justin Fields is not the guy. <laughs> they talk about it every single week. Why are the Bears holding on to him? Look at his record. Look at what he's doing. Every week this comes up, and yet only in Chicago, as it was with Mitch Trubisky, I'll acknowledge it, we're arguing and lamenting over mediocre quarterback play. We're begging the Bears to keep somebody who is, in effect, mediocre. It's not a lie. Look at the numbers. I guess it's because we're so quarterback-deprived that we sit here and argue over somebody like Justin Fields. Oh, well, he was done wrong. You know what? Then prove prove to us elsewhere that he was done right. Prove to us elsewhere that he's still a good quarterback. Clearly, it's not going to work here. And when you have a decision to make when it comes to paying him $200 million, exercising the fifth-year option was going to be $25 million for him in his fifth year if the Bears choose to exercise it, and two top picks in the top 10 and two quarterbacks right there for you, this, to me, is a pretty easy decision. And I know no one wants to hear it. I know we're emotionally tied to Justin Fields one way or another. I'm not, but other people are. The fact is, he's going to need to go. And people have to accept that now, because if you accept it now, you're going to be excited for the new quarterback coming in, like Caleb Williams or Drake May, who has upside. You reset the quarterback clock in terms of salary. This team overall is getting better in terms of talent, in terms of defense, in terms of offensive line, wide receiver, don't tell me that there are no more weapons on this team either. He has freaking DJ Moore out there. The Bears did what they had to do. We said it in the offseason. For once, Ryan Poles actually did something in terms of weaponry. It's not perfect, but it's better. The run game's been great all year. Four different guys, five different guys running the football, including Fields. They have one of the top wide receivers in football. I heard people... The other week, say he's a 1B type receiver. He's eighth in the league in wide receiving yards. He's a top 10 wide receiver. And he'd have 10 times more receiving yards if he wasn't catching balls from this Bears offense. So you can't make that argument. He's a top wide receiver. 
Cole Komet's actually having a career year. He's doing better than last year, even. In terms of touchdown catches, receptions, and yards are going to be up with his career highs right near him. You have everything you need. So what's the problem? Luke Getze deserves some of the blame, as we've said many a time. But is it all on Luke Getze? Really? You're going to tell me that everything that's gone wrong this year with the Bears offense, every single reason they've lost, every single reason there's been no output, every single reason something's gone wrong. It's all about Luke Getze making a big mistake. At some point, we have to bring up an uncomfortable conversation, bear the burden, and say, you know what? Part of this is on Justin Fields. And this goes to the head coaching question, too, because what are you going to do with Justin Fields? Well, I'll tell you what, Matt Eberflus needs to go. He needs to be gone. That's it. He's done. I've had enough. You know, for a week there, there were, there was some talk, right? For a week there, there was like, well, maybe they've turned a corner and Matt Eberflus is going to stick around. Hell no, he's not. Okay, And last week proved it. This is the third time. This season, the Bears have lost games leading by 10-plus points with 10 minutes or less to go in the fourth quarter. They lost all those games. Pretty telling. They forced Jared Goff to throw, what, three, four picks? They lost that game. They forced Joe Flacco to throw three picks. Lost that game. They were up by 21 points against Denver. Lost that game. Got people talking about the Bears making the playoffs a couple of weeks ago. Hey, they might get in. Give me a damn break. No way. And now we've seen it. I'm so sick of just this media spinning and this narrative that keeps getting pushed week in and week out for certain people to eat up and regurgitate. I'm done with it. Okay, we've been honest and we've been true to our opinions from day one. Matt Eberflus has had a fire under his ass from week one of the season. And it's only gotten worse and worse. I mean, people wanted to perceive and feel that it was getting better and better over the past couple of weeks. It wasn't. And this week proved it. There is no improvement if you do the same crap you did in week three. This past week, we're late in this season. There's no improvement. He sucks. It's been worse and worse. He needs to go. And I'll tell you about Justin Fields is going to be behind him, whether you like it or not, because the... I'll, I'll propose this to you. You're, you're a head coach, right? You're a candidate interviewing around all these different places, you come to the Bears. You know that they're going to be two top ten picks. You know the team is improving in terms of ancillary pieces, defense, running backs, wide receivers. So you come in, are you going to have to answer to a GM that you didn't really consent to, right? The GM's going to stay, Ryan Poles, President, Kevin Warren, they're all going to stay. And you come in and Ryan Poles says, we love you, we want to hire you, but you have to stick with Justin Fields. You have to stick with this quarterback, whether you like it or not. How many people do you think are going are, are to accept the job or even accept the offer, right? Very few. They want their own people. They want their own guys. Firing Eberplus and Gutsy and keeping Fields is not going to lead to any sort of conclusion or betterment for this team. They either all need to go or all need to stay. And if they all stay, expect another subpar season next year. The Bears' position is going to be more attractive if they have the quarterback position open. If they have these two picks and all these coaches come in saying, wow, look, this team is pretty much ready-made. I just need a quarterback and we're going to win. The alternative is going to be worse. I wouldn't want to sign up for this team if I knew I had to stick with this quarterback through thick and thin 
wouldn't make any sense. Because you know what? At the end of the day, it's going to reflect poorly on me if I'm a coach. If I'm Jim Harbaugh, let's say, probably won't happen. Let's say they hire Jim Harbaugh and he walks in and he sticks with Justin Fields and then they don't win anything for two years. Well, that's going to reflect back bad on Harbaugh, right? Because he's the head coach. Oh, yeah, it's his fault. It's his fault. It's his fault. We're going to still, we're going to still have Fields fanalists out here yelling and screaming that it's not Justin Fields' fault. And then Harbaugh is probably going to get fired. And then what? We're back to square one and it's Justin Fields? Come on. In order for the Bears to get the best pool possible from coaches, they're going to have to get rid of Eberflus and Getze and Fields. And even Randy said it, the GM, right? Fields is auditioning for another team, and I think he could succeed in Atlanta. Probably where he's going to go. I mean, they have Taylor Heineke starting the past couple of games. <laughs> Desmond Ritter is officially a bust. They, they said it. He could go to Pittsburgh. Go beat out Mitch over there, right? He could go to a number of different places where he would probably be welcomed with open arms. Maybe Minnesota. What are they going to do with Kirk Cousins? Josh Dobbs isn't the answer. Nick Mullins is certainly not the answer. Maybe maybe over there. There are going to be situations for him to sign a one-year deal, maybe a one-year $10 million, one-year $15 million deal, audition, earn the spot rightfully, and win. And then we could see, come this time next year, is he really a superstar with the Bears really doing him wrong, or is he just an average quarterback with good athleticism? We're going to know. But I'll tell you what, I am not comfortable sticking with an 8-29 and career quarterback. I am not comfortable sticking with a head coach that is literally the worst head coach in Bears history by record. Not a lie. Go look it up. Or a head coach in which we have to celebrate a two-game win streak How damn pathetic is that? These two are both going to have to go. They're both on the hot seat. They're both in trouble. And this weekend proved it. And that's the point. This weekend proved it. Everybody thought delusionally that they were going to make the playoffs, that things could get better, that things are on the up and up. No. Matt Eberflus, Justin Fields, Luke Getze, this team proved to us again that we've seen enough. They imploded again in the fourth quarter to Joe Flacco, who's 38 years old and can barely walk. That's enough for me to know that Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields need to go. We'll be right back here on Sports Talk Chicago. Sports Talk Chicago here with John Zaglul. Great to have you all here with us. John Meadows directing and producing. We're live on all of our great affiliates, WKAN 105.5 The Ticket. ACTV, Jed TV, WJOB, and Cities 92.9 Talk FM. If you missed any part of today's show, go back, find the podcast, sportstalkchicago.com, or any one of your favorite podcasting platforms. We're also live on YouTube at Sports Talk Chicago. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that like button on this video. We appreciate all of your support. What a great show today. Talked about the Bears. We're still going to talk about them, give you a uh, modified preview of how this game this weekend should go. Randy Mueller, segment one, former NFL GM, 2000 NFL Executive of the Year. I'm telling you, if you missed that segment, just go back and listen to that alone. Unbelievable insights from him about what the Bears should do, how the hiring process goes, what they should do in the draft. I mean, so much good stuff in there. So make sure you find that and uh, hang out with us there, too. So the Bears take on the Arizona Cardinals this weekend. Sounds like a big, exciting primetime, oh, no, wait, uh, barn burner type of a game. Cardinals this year are in worse position than the Bears, actually. They're in really big trouble. 3-11 and 11 on the season. Jonathan Gannon in his first year. He's had a mishmash of quarterbacks, and they're stuck with the big, inflated, and undeserving contract that is Kyler Murray. So 
Kyler Murray's going to be starting a quarterback this weekend. James Conner averaging three, yeah, five yards per carry, actually. He's been doing pretty good. Usually he's on the hook for 3.74, having a better season this year. What are the Bears going to do in that game, and how will they perform? I am, ironically enough, expecting a Bears win. I really think that they're going to be able to pull it off. I think that they're going to find a way to win this game, and I also think that people who watch them perhaps dominate are going to start the chance of Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus have to stay because they beat one of the worst teams in football. Nevertheless, I think the Bears are going to win this game. Uh, Arizona is just such a mediocre franchise, and they have so many issues, too. Last year, went through a big change, got rid of Steve Keim after he took a leave of absence. He ended up getting fired. Fired their head coach, brought in Jonathan Gannon. Kyler Murray, uh, they're stuck with him, and he's had four touchdowns and four picks in five games. Talk about yikes. Their defense is one of the worst in football, as of this show. 31st out of 32nd. They give up 27 points per game. Their offense, though, is only averaging 18 and a half. <laughs> 25th in the league. The Bears, on the other hand, uh, middle of the road. Again, their, their rush defense is one of the tops in football, top five. But overall, their defense is 22nd, and their offense is also 22nd for points averages. Justin Fields will be back at it for the Bears. 86 passer rating. 14 TDs, 8 picks in 10 games. Fields actually the team's leading rusher as well, 488 yards. I think he's going to have a good game, and I think that they are going to win this game. As far as the final score prediction goes, considering how bad the Cardinals' defense is, I think we're going to be in for a high-scoring and exciting game for the Bears overall. If I had to put a number on it today, I'd say Bears win this one 27-17. I think they're going to win this one 27-17. I want to make this clear, though, because I already know it's going to happen. Let's not use a win against one of the worst teams in football to justify everybody deserving to stay. The Bears ending this season have a pretty easy-ish schedule. They got Arizona. They got the Packers coming up, too, still. Maybe they win those two games. Maybe they end up winning... Seven games this year, which is a vast improvement over three. I just want to make sure that we don't have things cloud the reality. I want to take you back to 2020 for a second. Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. Mitch comes back in. The Bears go 5-1. and one. They beat a bunch of really bad teams. Remember the Jacksonville game? That one really stuck out to me. They lost in the playoffs to New Orleans, of course. And then Mitch Trubisky was cut loose, and some people were like, why? Well, they went 5-1. and one. Well, the Bears said at the time, again, it was Nagy and Pace, but they said at the time, well, he kind of faced bad competition down the stretch. The numbers were inflated, and he had to go. It's his fault. Then Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace were concurrently fired a year later. Point being, let's not have that happen again in 2023. If Justin Fields' season ended today, if, if the season in general ended today, Matt Eberplus is too, Luke Gensies, I think we all know where we'd stand, and I think we all know where the Bears would stand. I, I would I would hope, I would hope so at this point. Let's not let a win against Arizona, against one of the worst teams in football, cloud our judgment and cloud our perception. If they do well, great. If they struggle, that makes it look even worse. So they really, they kind of have to win this game in terms of viability, right? And in terms of at least letting the narrative and the storyline continue. Because if they lost, we'd have a big issue, right? They have to win or to let everything go and move forward. We know that. I think they're going to play competitively. 
But I don't want this competition to overshadow the truth of the situation. I want to read you a byline here, too. Chicago Sun-Times, I believe this is Mark Potash, good friend of this show. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are a cautionary tale for the Bears. Uh Uh-oh, what? Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are a cautionary tale for the Bears. Well, what did the Cardinals do? Well, they paid Kyler Murray a ton of money, really wasn't deserving of it. Now they're stuck with him. They're 3-11 with Kyler Murray. And they can't get rid of Kyler Murray. It's not like they could, oh, yeah, we got to trade him, we'll be fine. No, they chose to pay him a lot of money. They chose to keep him. And look what happened. So we're going to kind of see a mirror this weekend, too, of what could happen to the Bears. I'm not saying it will. It's not going to be that desperate. The Bears have a better team around fields than Arizona. But look at what happened to Arizona. They were competitive. They decided to give Murray this mega contract extension that even had uh, clauses in there about call of duty, how much he could play or not. That's pretty telling. (laughs) That's a red flag, right? They kept him around anyway because I guess he was their best choice. And now look where they're at. I'm not saying it's all on Murray, but, I mean, come on. Four touchdowns, four picks, five games. This guy's not as good as he once even was. And when he was good, he was 15th in football. Was never a top 10 quarterback. And what about Justin Fields and the Bears, right? Third year, 8-29 and 29 record. Unimpressive numbers. What if they kept Justin Fields around, paid him $200 million, paid him $40, $50 million per year to be the starting quarterback of this team. What would we see? I'm not confident we would see 4,000 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, maybe an MVP consideration. I'm more confident we'll see the same old, same old, which is a highlight reel play every game, guaranteed, maybe 1,000 rushing yards, 800 to 1,000 per year, but constant injuries, bad passing, and lack of wins. At the end of the day, if you're a quarterback, it may not always be fair, but the fact is you're going to be judged on wins. You're going to be judged on success. That's why everybody knocks on Brock Purdy because he's on a great team and has amazing numbers, and they're just winning. But the fact is he's still a winner. I'm never going to knock Brock Purdy, whether he's Mr. Irrelevant or not, because he wins. He does win. They win with him. Trey Lance didn't win with them. They are winning with Brock Purdy. So I can't knock him. But you can knock Justin Fields all day long if you're national or local media. You can. You have the opportunity to do so based on the record, based on the losses, based on the tumult, based on the fourth quarter fumbles, fourth quarter passer rating. You name it, there's something you could say. And until the Bears, Fields, Eberplus, et cetera, show us that they could win, show us that they could do it consistently, show us that they are a legitimate football team, that door is always going to be open to criticism and issues. Justin Fields is not an elite quarterback either. That's not controversial. I mean, you look at his numbers, you can't say he's an elite quarterback. We got people saying he's elite. So I think all around this game's going to be interesting. It's going to be more interesting than, oh, yeah, the Bears are going to steamroll Arizona. No, there are going to be a lot of mini storylines that we're going to be able to look at and observe and see on Sunday. We're going to see a potential mirror with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, a cautionary tale, as Mark Potash wrote. We're going to see, I would hope, moderate success, but that shouldn't cloud our judgment. Maybe we'll see moderate failure, and that's really going to cloud our judgment. (laughs) It's the opposite of it. 
I think there are a lot of things that we could be looking forward to this weekend. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the game. We're going to have it live here on Sports Talk Chicago, so you want to make sure you hang out with us here on the um, video chat here on YouTube. Going to be live for calling play-by-play and reacting to your comments and commentary. I just think that there's a lot that's going to be on the table. And moving forward, there will be in general. You only got three games left. So if you're one of those people who still supports Justin Fields, and if you do, so be it, you got three games to justify your argument still. Because the fact is this, too. If you're still having to argue your position, that means it's not solidified or identified. If you're still having to make your case and say over and over again, this is why he should stand, you're going to die on that hill, that metaphorical hill, then that means that as of today, there's not enough evidence to justify him staying. Whether you like it or not. The louder you get in terms of your argument, the more insecure you are about Justin Fields. You got three games left to prove to all of us, Justin does, and you Fields lovers do, that he deserves to stay. So all these games are going to be scrutinized no matter what. And I read a report today that said, from Jordan Schultz that said uh, the Bears are still on a week-to-week basis on what they're going to do. I don't know if that's true, but let's say it is. Then every game's still going to matter. Two Eberplus, two fields to get seen to all of us. Because if it's still a week-by-week thing, that means that anything could happen. What if the Bears went out? You know, what's going to happen there? So we have to follow this game, and we have to see how it goes, the rhythm, the tempo, the pace, how everything plays out. And then we're going to have to compare that over these last two games And look at the whole body of work when the end of the year comes and everybody evaluates what the Bears should do. I know the emphasis is going to be improvement. But we got to look from game one to game 17 and compare. The whole body of work has to be considered for Fields, for Eberplus, for Gatsy. Everything has to be put up and scrutinized. So even if the Bears win out these last three and they beat teams like the Cardinals, right? Well, we're not going to forget that Browns game. We're not going to forget the Lions game, or the Broncos game, or last year. We're not going to forget any of that. Just because they went out against a few bad teams down the stretch. Hey, that's exciting. Great. Mm, no. Everything's going to have to be on the table. I just hope the Bears and Ryan Poles chooses wisely and makes the correct decisions. And it all starts, or it continues this weekend. Ryan Poles said indirectly, it was a report on NFL Network, that the way they're going to be judging Justin Fields is, can this guy win us a Super Bowl? Because if he can, then there's no point in looking in the draft for another quarterback. Why would you? I I wouldn't even advocate for it. If you know, I mean, if you have Jalen Hurts, right, why are you going to go look for another quarterback? Maybe a bad example. He's having a bad year. But Brock Purdy, Justin Herbert, Right, if you, uh, Pat Mahomes, if you have a good quarterback, there's no need to look around. The Bears have two top picks, and the question is, can Justin Fields win you a Super Bowl? Answer honestly. And here's an auxiliary, or auxiliary question. Um, does Justin Fields deserve $200 million? I saw people today bemoaning that, well, he doesn't need to be paid that next year. No, but he's eventually going to have to be paid that if you want to really keep him long-term. And why would you pass on two top quarterbacks, just stick with Fields and ride it out? That means you're going to have to keep him, right? Or we do this whole thing over again in year four, and then at the end of next year, cut him loose anyway. And then there are still going to be people crying about the fact that he's gone. 
So you'd rather rip off the Band-Aid now, especially when you could have a head coaching vacancy, and there are going to be a lot of coaches who want this position. And that's true. I've been reports saying that all year, that people are actually monitoring a Chicago situation. When's the last time somebody said, I actually want to coach the Bears? I actually want to be here. It's because Ryan Poles, to his credit, hasn't been perfect, but he's been good enough in terms of making this an attractive destination. Oh, wow, we just got D.J. Moore. Oh, wow, Montez Sweat's turned out great, and we signed him to an extension. Oh, look at our defense. It's gotten better. Our offense shows promise. If we got a quarterback and a good coach and they can mesh, this team could win 10 games, and I think that's very true, if not even more, down the road. That's going to be the key. And that's going to be something that we're all going to be monitoring. So... Yeah, the Bears will win 27-17, but there are a lot of underlying things that we're going to have to be monitoring and looking forward to this week. And again, I advise all of you want to hang out with this great community. We had 4,000 people join us last week on our live stream here on YouTube. Uh, make sure you find us on YouTube at Sports Talk Chicago. Hit the like button and join us on Sunday for the game. We're going to be on at game time, live streaming John Meadows, directing and producing it myself. So you're going to want to tune in here for that. And with that, we're going to wrap up today's show. I want to shout out a big thank you to Randy Mueller for coming on and joining us. The 2000 NFL Executive of the Year, former NFL GM, John Meadows, directing and producing, and all of you for tuning in. Follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Big thank you to all of our great affiliates, 2WKAN, 105.5, The Ticket, ACTV, GenTV, WJOB, and Cities, 92.9 Talk FM. Appreciative of all them for airing us every single week. A lot of Bears stuff coming. Keep it here. We tell you the truth. We try to, at least. Keep it here to hear the truth about this team instead of fanalism. That's a new word. Fanalism. Embracing the airwaves all over the place. No spin here on Sports Talk Chicago. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time. So long.